Good morning, Grace people. Good to see you here today in person. Good to be greeting those of you who are watching online this morning. It is the Advent season, second week of Advent, that season when we light candles to shine light into the darkness that pervades around us. It's an act of defiance. It's an act of faith to light candles into the darkness. It's also common this time of year, this season of Advent, to be hearing words from the prophets, especially the prophet Isaiah, often quoted in words of hope, to bring us hope in preparation for the coming of Jesus. But we've been hearing from a number of prophets here at Community of Grace this year, and that's because we're also in a season of listening to the entire story of the Bible, working our way through the entire narrative from Genesis to Revelation. And here we are in this place, in this season of darkness, in the darkest time for God's people. That's where we are in the story, a time of exile, the time when the prophets are speaking out, and we've heard from a number of them. We heard a few weeks ago the prophet Amos, the hick prophet, as Pastor Angie calls him. I love that. It's a great term for him. Just a simple guy with a very simple and straightforward message, a hardcore message about how evil had overcome God's people in Israel and in Judah. And then after that, we, we heard from the prophet Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, the prophet who also had a lot of bad news for God's people, what was coming their way, the kind of destruction that would come from the north and, and, and decimate the kingdom of David and of Israel and just break it up into all kinds of pieces, taking it off into exile. And then next week after that, we heard from Isaiah last week. Always good to hear from Isaiah. Isaiah, the great prophet, that's not the end of hearing from Isaiah. We'll hear from more of Isaiah. You always do because Isaiah is one of the most often quoted prophets all throughout the New Testament. A message of hope, but a message of reality in the midst of exile. And now today we, we step into another prophet. And this prophet today we're going to talk about is the prophet Ezekiel. And if I could give Ezekiel a title, it would be the weird prophet. Ezekiel's just kind of weird. I mean, you just got to own it. As you step into the book of Ezekiel and start reading it, it starts off with this wild, crazy, bizarre vision that Ezekiel gets from God. It's got winged creatures in it and things with multiple heads and faces on them flying in the sky with wheels that are sort of like chariot wheels, but kind of not like chariot wheels. And it's wild. It's the first one he has. Welcome to the book. <laughs> and then as you continue on, Ezekiel gets called to do some and see some just wild and weird things. God puts a scroll in front of him and says, hey, Ezekiel, eat the scroll. Okay, do I get barbecue sauce with it or something? Maybe eat the scroll. And then, and then he's asked to like lay on his side in public for weeks at a time until he's done with that and then gets to lay on his other side for weeks at a time as some kind of a sign or symbol to, to God's people. It's strange, it's bizarre, it's wild. It's just a little weird. But yet God uses Ezekiel to speak important messages 
important messages about this difficult season of life for God's people. They have lost their king. They've lost their kingdom. They've lost their temple. They're in a strange land, and it is dark, and it's a long season. And it's in that place that we step into the vision that Ezekiel has in Ezekiel chapter 37 that God gives him. If you brought your Bibles with you this morning, please open up to Ezekiel chapter 37. You can open it in your own Bible if you've got it on a pad or on a phone. That's great. Go ahead. Open it up. I love it when people follow along as I read these words. I think it, it doubles the impact and you can be reading them as I'm speaking them. <clears throat> so let's, let's dive into Ezekiel chapter 37 beginning at verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. What a vision. A battlefield. That's what this is the vision of. 
a battlefield full of dry bones. Now, I've never fought on a battlefield. I don't want to give anybody the impression that I have. I've visited a few battlefields. But here's the basic thing that I do know about battlefields. After the battle, the ones who are standing and breathing, they're the ones who won. The ones who were laying on the ground, not breathing, those are the ones who lost. This is a picture of losing. This is a picture of loss. This is a battlefield not only of a recent loss, but a loss that has sat forever. Dry bones are all that's left. Every soldier that died on this battlefield, long since dead, long since deceased, long since deteriorated and disintegrated till there's nothing left but dry bones. Have you ever seen dry bones? Like dry human bones? I have. You know why? Because I have a skeleton in my closet. I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean it literally. I actually have a skeleton in my closet. Let me explain. <laughs> my wife's grandfather was an osteopath. And when he passed away many years ago, we were partly responsible for clearing out his home and getting rid of many of the different things that were there. And amongst the many things that this osteopath had was, like many doctors, a full-size, life, real skeleton. Nobody knew what to do with it. What does one do with a skeleton? So we took it, and we put it in our closets. And that's where we still have it today. It's a very old skeleton, over 100 years old by this point. The bones are fragile. Dry bones. Dry, dry bones. That's what's left on this battlefield. Nothing but dry bones, brittle. And into this battlefield, God places Ezekiel and gives him this vision and says these words to the prophet, so Ezekiel, can these bones live? I'm not sure whether it was a rhetorical question, but I think Ezekiel's answer says a lot. You would know, Lord. It's a very honest Answer. Why? Because the simple human answer is really clear. No! These are not wounded bodies on a battlefield that maybe need some bandages and some first aid. These aren't broken bodies on a battlefield that may require surgery and long term care. These aren't flat-lined bodies who just need a jolt of electricity placed into them to revive them and bring them back to life. These are dry bones. No life. Nothing about them that would give you the idea that anything could come of these 
it is death visibly before them, beyond any earthly help or healing. And that's exactly the point. This is the picture of God's people as they see themselves. Israel, who has lost everything, their land, their king, and their temple. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. Those are the words spoken by Israel. There's no hope. We are dead and have been long since forgotten. The only hope for these dry bones is resurrection. Resurrection. That's what brings death to life. Nothing else can. And God speaks to Ezekiel to speak his word to these bones that they would come back to life. Only God can do that. And that's what he tells Ezekiel to do. Speak to the flesh first. Speak to the physical bodies that are there. And those physical bodies are spoken to. And the reversal of what has happened to these bones from the end of the battle is now reversed. The dry bones start to take on flesh and then skin and muscle and stand up. But they're still not spiritually alive. So he speaks to them again and says, now speak to the breath, the ruach. That's a word for spirit in the Old Testament, in Hebrew. It's speaking, breath. Give breath into these bodies. Speak to them, Ezekiel. Let the breath come from the four winds, every direction, and come into these bodies that they would have life. Sounds a lot like creation to me. Just like in Genesis 2, where God forms Adam out of the mud and then breathes life into him. Here it is again, life from death. Speak to them. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Thus saith the Lord. That's the word of God spoken into the dry bones. Sounds a lot like what Jesus declared at the tomb of Lazarus. As he was brought to the home of Mary and Martha and begins to speak to Martha, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? There's the word there's the question, the question from Jesus that echoes that question to Ezekiel. Can these bones live? Do you believe that I'm God or don't you? Because God can bring resurrection. God can bring life from death. And that same resurrection power is at work in you as a follower of Jesus. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. 
Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Romans 8, 10 through 11 says this. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. That's God's word. We need resurrection. Every one of us. God's word says we are dead in our sin. But through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that same gift of resurrection is given to all who believe. New life. And if God can raise your physical body from the dead, what can't he do? I think there's a lot of things in our lives where we see nothing but death these days. Maybe it's dead dreams. Maybe it's dead hopes. But where we need to hear the word of the Lord speak life into those places in our lives. I learned something the other day from a dear friend of mine, a pastor out in California. And I told him after I heard it that I was going to steal it from him. And that's okay because he stole it from somebody else. <laughs> but it's an acronym for the word life. To speak about the places where the spirit can come into life and bring life. And here's what the acronym of LIFE stands for, L-I-F-E. LIFE, L is for labor, the places where you work, the work that you do, the things that consume a good part of your day. That's labor. I is for influence. Those are the people around you, the places where you are called to go and live your life and the relationships that you have there. You are called to bring influence into those areas. And there's spiritual life that can come through you into those places. That's the I. Labor, influence, F is for finances. Finances are the material gifts and money that God puts into your hands. God puts it into everybody's hands, all different kinds of amounts in all different ways, but he gives it to us to manage and then to be generous and give with. And God can breathe spiritual life into those places. And then the E is for expertise. Expertise is those particular gifted areas of your life, those areas where you have unique gifts that God has called you to use to his glory. And the spirit of God, the life of God can be breathed into those things so that God gets the glory. That's life. Now, I don't want to just talk about those things. I want to speak God's word into those things, into each one of those areas this morning. Because it's not enough for me just to say, hey, just, just hear it. Let's hear it from God's word, because God has a word to speak to each of you in each one of these areas. Let's start with labor and your work. I know some people feel like they're in a dead-end job. Or maybe they work the graveyard shift. A lot of death, a lot of grave talk there. And you feel like, ah, it's just something that I do to just punch a time clock. It's just something that I have to do to pay the bills. There's, there's no life in it. 
Well, listen to me when I say this. I'm also stealing this from my friend. Quit your job and go work for Jesus. I know, somebody's like, yay, your pastor told me to quit my job. <laughs> quit your job and go work for Jesus. Now, what do I mean when I say that specifically? Well, listen to Colossians 3, 23 through 24, and let the word of God speak life into your labor. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's what I mean. Whatever work it is that you are doing is meaningful work if you will let the life of God breathe into you and breathe into that place and stop just working for a paycheck or working for the, for the, the owner of the business. Start working for Jesus in that place. And watch what God can do when he breathes life into you, into that place. Whatever it is that you are called to do. How about influence? A lot of people feel isolated these days, cut off from relationships around them, feel like their relationships are broken, bruised, wounded, and they're retreating and pulling further back into themselves. I feel it myself at times. I'm an extrovert, and I get more drained by people than I ever have before. That's not normal. I think it has something to do with what's happening in the world today. But God can speak life into that. Life into you and into your relationships and into every place that you are called to bring influence. Now, not as a jerk. Nobody wants to be a jerk for Jesus. It doesn't help anybody. But you can be a light. You can be a humble light that shines light, like lighting these candles in the darkest places and into the darkness of a world that's hurting. So hear God's word speak life into your places of influence. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Hear the word of the Lord and let life come into those places of influence that you are called to be an influencer. How about your finances? Yeah, you all knew I would get to this. <laughs> what about your finances? What about those material goods that you have been given to manage and then to be generous with? Every single person is given something to manage and be generous with. And you know what? God is a manager himself. There are over 5,000 scriptures throughout the Bible that talk about managing your money and how to be generous with it. I don't think that's an accident. God understands the way that we use the resources he has placed into our hands is a way that we respond to his goodness towards us. We don't give to get, but when we give in a way that plants seed, there's a harvest that comes from that, and the harvest is directly related to the seed that's planted. Always has been. And to those who are good at planting their seed and then letting that harvest rise up and then look at that harvest and go, oh, wow, that's amazing. What of that harvest can I give away or plant again, not keep for myself? When God sees that, there is more seed. Don't trust me, trust God's word. 
2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11. Let's speak some life into our finances. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Do you see the connection? The more you plant, the bigger the harvest. The bigger the harvest, the more there is to be able to plant again. The greater the generosity. The greater the generosity, the more thanksgiving there is from others. This is the way that God gets glorified through the way that we use our finances. But God needs to breathe life into it. And so often we feel like we will never have enough. Let the word of God speak life. Let the spirit of God speak life into that area of your finances too. And finally, your expertise. Many people feel like they have nothing to offer. I've been doing this for a while. And the times that I bump into people in the hallways or coming in for a meeting or just in one any different time who, first of all, you know, want to give me way too much credit for what it is that I say up here or do for this church and then give themselves hardly any credit for what it is that God has brought and put in them. Oh, I can't do any. I mean, I don't really have any. Yes, you do. You have gifts given to you by God meant to be filled by his spiritual power to bring him glory and to bring you a great sense of satisfaction. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But we need to let God speak his life into those gifts that you have. He wants to put his spirit into you so that his spirit can flow through you and be a source of life and light to those around you. Don't trust me. Let's trust God's word. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You have gifts. And this isn't an exhaustive list, by the way. You have all sorts of gifts. Gifts that can be used in the world, gifts that can be used within the church, gifts that will bless and bring grace to every corner of this community. You have those gifts. Let the Spirit breathe life into those gifts and those particular areas of expertise that bring you joy and bring God glory. Life, your labor, your influence, your finances, your expertise. This is a place of resurrection, friends. Maybe one of those areas I just spoke about, you think about and you go, you know what? I just don't feel any life in that area right now. I feel dead. Then let the word of the Lord speak to you today. Let these words come to you from Ezekiel, which is the word of the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. 
Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. Let that faith be breathed into your heart, into your spirit. Let the spirit come and fill you with his life today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, here we are, your people, Lord. And why this may not be a valley of dry bones that we sit in right now, Lord. Every one of us have dry places in our lives. Every one of us have places where we feel like we're just hanging on. Places where we see and feel like bones rattling around or like we're just barely holding it together. And other places, Lord, where we have seen dreams or hopes or relationships or finances or whatever it might be, Lord, feel like they are so far in the rearview mirror and we don't see them through the eyes of faith anymore. We've, we've given them up. We just said there's just no way that that could live again. Lord, you are the Lord of resurrection. Jesus, as you spoke to Martha, that you are the resurrection and the life, and asked her if we believe, we say again today, Lord, we believe. We believe you, Jesus. We believe who you say you are. We believe you can do what you said you can do. We believe you will do it and are doing it today in our lives. And that when you breathed on your disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit, we receive that breath into our lives today. Breathe into us, Spirit of God, and bring us to life, abundant life in you. We pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.